Welcome to the Switch Leader Podcast, where we decide today the leader we will be tomorrow. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Switch Leader Podcast. My name is Josh Baldwin. I am here with my good friends, Caitlin Caffrey and James Meehan. Especially thankful Caitlin's here. Sort of thankful James is here. And I'm looking (laughs) forward to the topic that we're going to talk about today. Hey, so we're going to get right into it. So last week, we started the first part of a 10-part series called Leader Essentials. And this is just something where we're kind of looking at 10 different things and areas that we believe that switch leaders should be working on in their own life that will set them up to be a great leader in youth ministry. And we also believe not only do these things make you a better switch leader, but in many ways they benefit you as a follower of Jesus. And so whether you're a new switch leader or you've been around for a long time, listening to each part of this series, we're going to be rolling one out each week, is really, really important. Also, talk to other switch leaders about it. Make sure that they know what's going on so that they're not missing out on it. We want everybody to be able to be on the same page and having conversations around these. So right now, we're going to head into part two of Leader Essentials. James, it's all yours. Wow. Thank you so much, Josh Baldwin. Last week, we talked about how our mission is to lead students to become fully devoted followers of Christ. And this week, we're talking about step one in that process for us. Because before we can ever effectively lead students to become fully devoted followers of Christ, we have to be actively engaging in our own journey of becoming fully devoted followers of Christ. That's why what we're talking about this week is the idea of pursuing Jesus passionately. This is leader essential number two, pursuing Jesus passionately. Because if we are not committed to this journey, then our students aren't going to really care to hear anything we have to say, because instead of getting to lead with the confidence that comes from integrity, we would just be a whole bunch of hypocrites. And as a reminder, The way that we define a fully devoted follower of Christ within Switch is somebody who loves God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength and loves others the same way that God through Christ has loved them. We pull that from Mark chapter 12, verse 30 and 31, where Jesus says the two greatest commandments are to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And he goes on to say that the second is this, to love your neighbor as yourself, that there's no commandment greater than these. And then later on in John's gospel, as Jesus is having the last supper with his disciples, he inaugurates a new covenant. And with it, he brings a new command where he says, a new command I give to you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. That's John chapter 13, verse 34. And the thing is, is none of that will happen if we are not pursuing Jesus passionately. And so what we wanna do today is talk to you about how we can actually do that, how we can be really intentional about what it looks like to be leaders who follow first. And so we're gonna talk about three big ideas and you're gonna get to hear each of our perspectives on what this looks like in our own lives because we know that each of us is at a different stage in our journey with Jesus, that we all have different experiences, giftings, passions, ways that we most effectively connect with God. And so what we're hoping for is that getting to hear from each of us will help maybe give you some ideas about what it might look like for you to make your pursuit of Jesus something that you do more passionately and it's also personal to you. So the three ideas that we're gonna talk about are step one, be with Jesus. 
be with Jesus. Step two, become like Jesus. Become like Jesus. And then step three, do what Jesus would do if he were you. Do what Jesus would do if he were you. So to start us off, Caitlin, will you share with us what it looks like for you to be with Jesus, to create time in your schedule, in your mind, in your heart to spend time with him? Yeah, for me, a lot of that these days has been journaling. I like to set aside time in my mornings to journal through a set of questions. And I walk through these same questions each and every day. And they're actually questions based on that verse that we read in Mark about loving God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And so I just kind of sit with Jesus and ask him questions and invite him to show me the parts of me that have gotten misaligned with what it looks like to love God with all of my mind and to love God with all of my heart, to love him with all of my soul and to love him with all of my strength. And I just invite him to speak to me and show me those parts of me and realign them with him. Caitlin, one of the things that you said that was really good is you were saying kind of allowing him to realign different parts of you. And Mm -hmm. something I have also recently started doing is journaling at the end of the day and and finding a time to just sort of meditate um, over scripture. And so mm-hmm. I've been using a podcast called the Slow Podcast, S-L-O podcast, and it's about 15 minutes for each one and it speaks scripture over you. It's been a really great thing for me to eliminate a lot of the noise in my life that has distracted me from God and allow me to really hear what he's trying to tell me, I can be an easily distracted person. So this is this is like a discipline that I didn't, like a few months ago, I'd have been like, no, I'm never doing that. Like that, I'm never <laughs> doing that. But I can tell you that now it's become one of the healthiest parts of my rhythms to have a healthy rhythm with Christ. Dude, that's, that's good. so good. I just subscribed to that podcast. So <laughs> thank you, Josh, for the recommendation. <laughs> I, Come on. Uh, you know, it, it's interesting because I've got a pretty basic routine that has existed, honestly, for I think the entire time I've been following Jesus in some form or fashion. So when I first became a Christian about eight or nine years ago, I knew I needed to read the Bible and to pray. And so I started making that a part of my morning routine, first thing that I do. And that has stayed pretty consistent. There are a few times, especially early on when our son Jace was born, where early morning was not the time I was spending with Jesus, but thankfully he's one and a half now. So we've been able to bring that back. But I try to start out every morning with some intentional time where I read scripture, I journal about what I'm reading, and then I take 10 minutes to sit, to listen, to hear the voice of God, and then pray. And so what I've been doing for a while is just moving slowly through the gospels and the different commands that Jesus gives throughout them, where I just take one chapter and I read that chapter. And then I take whatever the command of Jesus is in that chapter or whatever passage or verses stick out to me most. And then I start journaling about that. I use the old school soap scripture observation application prayer method that Mm -hmm. I heard about in some book years ago don't remember anything else about the book, but that stuck with me. And I've been doing it ever since, about five, six years now. And it's been a really helpful way for me to not just read through the Bible, but to 
actually slow down and think about it so that it gets deeper into my soul. And so what I'll do is I'll read a chapter. I'll take a part of that chapter and journal it where I'll write out the, the verses word for word. Then I'll write out my observations. What is it that I'm seeing that's happening here? What does this mean? Then what is the application? How can I apply the truth of this passage to my life? And then I end with a short written prayer of asking God to help me to internalize the truth and live it out that day. This morning, I was actually in Acts chapter three, and the passage that I was reading about was Jesus, or sorry, Peter, in the name of Jesus with John healing this man who was lame for a really long time. And then because he's healed, he's now dancing around telling everybody a huge crowd forms. And so Peter, having just preached the sermon on the day of Pentecost, preaches another sermon. And I'm just struck by how direct Peter is. (laughs) Like he literally tells this crowd of people that you killed Jesus, the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. So Mm y'all better repent. If you do, you'll be blessed. (laughs) And I'm like, Bro, that is boldness. And so I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm reading this, I'm writing about it, I'm reflecting on it. And the thing that I thought was interesting was this idea that Peter is holding those people responsible for Jesus's death, even though they may not actually have been the ones in the crowd that were calling for Jesus to be crucified. And it just made me ask the question, in what ways have I been a participant in things that are not good, not because I was the one causing that not good thing, but because I didn't actually do anything to stop it. And so that was what I was reflecting on today. And then after I do my little journaling thing, I'll go sit outside in my backyard in a deep Asian squat because, you know, got to work on my (laughs) mobility and I want my toes to touch the ground, but I don't want my behind to touch the ground. And so I will squat, (laughs) set a 10 minute timer on my phone and I will just sit in silence and solitude. And then when I get to the end of my time, I'll pray through the Lord's prayer using that format to direct my thoughts, my attentions to God. And then once the timer ends, I get up and I go about my day. And that's been my pretty consistent routine for a while now for me taking time to be with Jesus. One of the things that you said that I really liked that you acknowledge the season you were in with your kid and kind of going, hey, like it used to be this time of day and now it's this time of day. I think sometimes people get too caught up and going, man, I heard like Pastor Craig said, this is how he does it. And it's it's just understanding everybody's life and rhythms of life look different. And not only that, but the rhythm of your life will look different right. likely a year from now than it does yep. right now. What's important is that you you make this the most valuable rhythm in your life. Come on. And so while maybe the time of day changes, it doesn't change that it's still a part of your day. And so it's, it's got to be a part of your day. And I think that's, that's really, really important. Well, now that you say that I do have a confession to make, I said that I end my time with silence and solitude. And before my son was born, it was (laughs) silent and it was solitude. But now that my son, (laughs) you know, is a year and a half, that's not so silent. And I'm not so alone because he's loud and he's there. But what I, what I try to do is I try to actually just figure out how do I involve him in this time with me? And so mm-hmm. we go outside together and he's always so excited to do it because there's all the dew that is still on the ground and he just <laughs> loves running around in that. And I'll be in my deep little squat for this 10 minute timer. And, you know, every once in a while, I'll have to sort of get out of the focused mode of prayer to say, hey, Jace, please come back. That's, that's not our yard. Or <laughs> um, he's attempting to like, crawl on top of my back 
And I'm like, hey, kid, mm-hmm. yeah, what what the heck are you doing? Please, please uh-huh. don't hurt yourself. So I, I say that to say, right now, it is not as smooth and pretty as it used to be, but it's still really special because I get I get to do it with my son. I love it. So we got to cover the first one, which is be with Jesus. And we all got to kind of share where we're at and some of the rhythms that we have in our own life. I think number two coming up here is become like Jesus. So James would love to hear how we can apply that and maybe more, you know, context into what that looks like in our own lives. Yeah. I mean, so for us within Switch, we define discipleship as the process of becoming like Jesus for the sake of others. Luke chapter six, verse 40, Jesus speaking to his disciples says that no student is above their teacher, but when the student is fully trained, they will be just like their teacher. And I think that is very much this picture of our discipleship to Jesus and what it's supposed to be like, that the more time we spend with him, the more we will become like him. You know, this, like all throughout scripture, we read about the things that are supposed to happen inside of us as we grow in our faith and our maturity, right? There's the fruit of the spirit in Galatians chapter five. There's these spiritual gifts that are listed. There's what Paul writes in Ephesians chapter four, verses 11 through 16 about what maturity in the faith is going to look like. And I think all of those are these really beautiful pictures of how God wants to transform us from the inside out so that we look a little bit less like who we used to be and a little bit more like who we are meant to be. And so for me, I want to be really open and receptive to what the Holy Spirit wants to do in me to make me more like Jesus. And the way that we often encourage people to be active in this process is through the practice of spiritual disciplines. These are the habits and practices of Jesus that he modeled for us. And then when we implement into our lives, they actually help us to begin to live and think and look more like him. And so some of those are what we just talked about, studying scripture, prayer, silence and solitude, journaling, are incredible disciplines and habits that we can put into our lives to help shape us into the people we're meant to be, people who look Mm -hmm. and act and talk and walk more like Jesus. One of the spiritual disciplines I'm really hoping to get better at is actually fasting because I remember first becoming a Christian and I would do the Daniel fast in January because we used to do that as a church quite a bit. And Mm. I was really bad at it because anytime I got hungry, I would just whine and complain to everyone. (laughs) And so like I was... I was not not using it as an opportunity to grow closer to God, to starve my flesh and feed my spirit. And so what I've been trying to do recently is make fasting a more regular rhythm in my life. I was reading a book recently where the author talked about how the early church would often fast every Wednesday and Friday from sunup to sundown. And so they just wouldn't eat as long as the sun is up and they would wait to eat until the sun set. And so I thought, you know what, let me, let me try to do this a little bit more regularly as a routine. And that's what I've been doing on Wednesdays because it's switch day is I just won't eat until after switch. And the idea is to allow every little hunger pang, every urge or craving for food to be a reminder to pray to remind myself that God is my provider, that man does not live on bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of the Father. And so this is one of the ways that I'm asking the Holy Spirit to make me more like Jesus. Another thing that I try to be pretty consistent in is reflecting on my day when I get to the end of my day and asking the questions, okay, like what did I do today 
that I should not do tomorrow? What is something I did today that I should do better tomorrow? What are the sins I committed today that I need to repent from? What are the relationships that might be a little bit fractured that I need to work to restore? And what I do is I ask myself those questions at the end of every day. And then as I do, I pray and ask God to help me take the necessary steps to make the changes needed so that I can better reflect his goodness and love to others. That's good. How about you, Kaylin? Yeah, I love what James said about spiritual disciplines, that they're those habits and practices that Jesus engaged in, that when we engage in, help us to become more like him. And ones that I engage in, like habitually, are Sabbath, fasting, and then like scripture reading and scripture memorization. But I'd say the one that's been the biggest game changer for me recently has actually been confession. Being in confessional community and just having relationships where I can bring what is going on inside of me, out of me, in the context of those trusted relationships, I have just found so much freedom in that practice. There's a verse in 1 John that talks about how when we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. And then in James, it talks about how when we confess our sins to one another, that's where we find healing. And in a season where uh, God has just been revealing some things inside my heart that need to be healed, I've been stepping into this practice of confession and experiencing the truth of those words in a way that I never have before. That's really great. I think in, you know, you said for you, it's been confession. I think for me, it has been submission. And I think that I've... I think it's culturally even a norm for us to go, man, I can just keep going. Like I'm going <laughs> to, I could run through any wall that you put in my way. Like right. I've got right. this. And um, I think that that's been, that's been a real challenge for me because of, well, significantly because of pride and yeah. just, just going, no, like I can, I can do that. Like I can keep going. My mother-in-law sent my wife a screenshot of a meme today that said, does anybody else ever feel like the check engine light on your body is going off, but you just keep going? <laughs> no, it's fine. Like, right. And I can keep going. And she said, that's Josh. And so, so, that, you know, <laughs> I love, love the honesty, but, but I think oh, that, I, I think that those are the kind of that idea of, Hey, no, you like, you actually can't. Just keep right. going. And as a matter of fact, if you want to be like Jesus, well, Jesus went and went and went until he didn't. And then he stopped and then he rested and then he went to the father to be replenished. Yep. He was very open with the father, went with his father when he was in anguish. Come he on. was like, you know, there was no part. It wasn't just this like, no, I can do it. Like it, you're not going to look and see any part of him that was like, I'm going to muscle my way through this. Right. When you saw right. Jesus walking, if you want to be like him, he actually very much was like, I can get through this because of my father. Yeah. But it was not because of my flesh. And Come on, dude. I think that my that's been an issue for me. Pro I mean, most of my life. And I think that culture has probably even celebrated that, you know, kind of that like, mm. keep going, keep working, work hard. You can do it. And I'm finally to a point that I'm seeing that God's going, hey, you know, humility is not 
thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. And I think for me, it's that's it. It's submission and submitting to Christ and knowing all my strength comes from him. Dude, so. that's so stinking good. That That's probably also mine too. So I'm just going to confess <laughs> that publicly. Cool. Yeah, <laughs> come on. You all will, will receive great. that. You know, it's interesting because I think what we've talked about so far in this process of what does it look like for us as leaders to pursue Jesus passionately, to be leaders who follow first. First, we got to be with Jesus. And then through the process of being with Jesus, that is actually a really big factor in becoming more like Jesus because we become like the people we spend time with. And without being with Jesus and becoming like Jesus, then the third thing is not possible. Like it just doesn't right. happen. The third no. thing is do what Jesus would do if he were you. I wear a D bracelet. What would Jesus do? And when I first got it, I really thought that it would be this beautiful reminder to keep doing what Jesus would do. And the more I've worn it, the more I realize I make decisions way faster than I actually have time to consult this bracelet and ask that question. And when I reflected more carefully That's on good. the kinds of decisions I made, I started to realize that I would make a decision in the moment based off of what I thought was right. And then after the fact, I would begin to justify and rationalize why that's probably what Jesus would have done too, you know, because that's, that's what I did. And I, yeah. I want to do what Jesus would do. <laughs> and right. I, I say this as this pretty sobering realization of, wow, like as much as I want to love God the way Jesus did, as much as I want to love others the way that Jesus does, if I'm not being really, really intentional to allow him to love me, to allow him to change me and to actually do the work of following him wherever he leads. And I'm never going to be able to do what he would do if he were me. And so for me now, as somebody who leads a middle school boys switch group, when I think about what it looks like for me to do what Jesus would do, if he were a middle school boys switch group leader, what I think about is somebody who would be ridiculously patient with the rowdiness that comes from middle schoolers. Like good. there is this line in the gospels where Jesus sees this crowd of people who are har harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. And Jesus had compassion on them. I, I don't know if I would describe my middle school guys as harassed and helpless because they're kind of the harassers and they're kind of like harmful <laughs> to others, <laughs> but they definitely are like sheep without a shepherd. And so what I want to do is I want to have compassion on them. And the other thing that I really want to do is I want to always ask the question, okay, God, what is it that you're wanting to reveal in me through my relationship with this student? Because right. I think it can be easy to fall into the mindset of I'm here to lead you closer to Jesus. And the more time I've gotten to spend with this group, I've been with them for a little over a year now the more I've been able to see how each of those students is helping refine a different aspect of my character so that I can become more like Jesus and respond more like Jesus when they come to me. And those are some of the things that I'm really thinking about within specifically my role in Switch. But obviously the idea of doing what Jesus would do if he were me extends to so many other things, but this isn't the so many other things podcast. This is a Switch Leader podcast. So I will leave it at that. Mm, come on. That could be a good podcast though. That you know, could be. <laughs> Caitlin, There's I know so many other things podcasts. Yeah. You lead Caitlin, you lead a high school small group. What would kind of be your perspective and your thoughts? Yeah. I love the, the 
just posture of humility that James mentioned of like, what can these students teach me about what it looks like to more faithfully follow Jesus? And I think that the opportunities that they have given me to practice doing what Jesus did have been incredibly valuable to me. I would say one big thing for me, actually two big things, would be one, leading with grace. I have gotten a bunch of reps in figuring out what it looks like to my first response and inclination being grace for my students. I think of like a bunch of times when Jesus is confronted with different people, even in situations where it's just like the religious leaders of his day are literally just bringing up the situation or bringing up this person to test Jesus. And there are so many times where I'm just like, man, these students are just doing this to test me. (laughs) 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 But can with the same like incredible restraint and grace that Jesus showed in those moments, can I lead with grace and then respond with truth? And so that has been something that I've been practicing as switch leader. And then the other thing with like getting to lead high schoolers, man, it's a it's an incredible opportunity to empower people like like Jesus did. Like Jesus picked his disciples and he trained them and he saw the potential in them and he called it out of them and he empowered them to go and replicate the process and lead other people to him. And that's my goal for my group of high school girls is that by the time they're done, they feel incredibly confident turning around and leading a sixth grade group themselves or going into their next season of life with a strong foundation and confidence in their faith because they were empowered by someone who saw the potential in them and called it out of them. That's great. I think that as a youth pastor, vulnerability would be one of them. Like, I think that he would want them to see that he was completely human, right? Like, he talks about that. Like, I think that the vulnerability is so important because otherwise you're just this guy on stage that's unreachable or this girl right. on stage that's unreachable. And we don't want to be that. So I think that that would be one. I think the the big one, though, is is an advocate. Like, I think that it's, Mm. I feel this burden to fight for students against culture and against anything, against the enemy, against anything that would pull them in the wrong direction. I I take it personal, right? So like when, when, when I see people in culture celebrating things that not only do I, do I believe to be sin, but I also believe to be sin that is legitimately so incredibly harmful to kids, what's going on in their life. I take it personal. I let it make me a little angry and, and I allow it to fuel me because it matters to me. And I think that I'm in a role that that's, that it's important that, that I be, that I care about those kinds of things. But James, is there anything that you'd share with us in wrapping up? Yeah. I mean, the last thing that I would say is that our deepest desire is for you as a switch leader to know the love of Jesus firsthand to embrace the love of Jesus and to be able to extend that to the students that you come in contact with. Because what we can say, and hopefully you also can say, is that there is nothing better than life with Jesus. Come on. Because life with Jesus is better than everything else. (laughs) And so our hope and our prayer is that this would be an encouragement to you 
as you continue to pursue Jesus passionately. If you are looking for a resource or a next step on how to actually carve out time in your schedule to make space to experience the presence of God, we've got a Bible plan. It's called Becoming Like Jesus, Silence and Solitude. That I think would be an incredible way to make that a regular part of your routine so that you can, first and foremost, be a leader who follows first. And so you can find that link in the show notes of this episode. You can also just search Becoming Like Jesus, Silence and Solitude, and invite some people to do it with you because we all know that life is better together and it's so much better when we get to do it in community. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, James and Caitlin, thanks so much for joining us. And everybody else listening, thank you so much for joining us on the Switch Leader Podcast, where we decide today the leader we will be tomorrow.